from Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. So again, for those of you here in-house or those of you watching at home, if you don't know me, my name is Pastor Mitch. I'm one of the pastors here at Parkway Church. Um, I'm excited to be here. And uh, I'm excited to dive into our Christmas uh, series today. All right? It is December already. Church, we made it. We made it through this year. Um, It's been quite a chaotic year, to say the least. Um, But we made it. We're here in December. Here's the thing about December. December is my favorite month of the year. Because if you know me, or if you've known me for more than 15 minutes, you will know that I love Christmas. I'm one of those people, I'm like kind of annoying about Christmas, Um, so my wife and I were watching Home Alone yesterday, last night, and um, I have this thing in me that I I can't shut it off, I don't know how to not do it, but every single line of that movie I say about two seconds before it happens, I can't, there's nothing, I can't, I can't not quote the entire movie, there's, I think it's impossible for me to not watch Home Alone and not go keep the change, you filthy animal, I have to, I have to do it every time, I love Christmas, did you know myself, I've already drank five cartons of eggnog myself, Um, (laughs) and uh, this is how low I stooped for eggnog, okay, the grocery stores in Corona were out, so I went to the Circle K and bought Circle K brand eggnog. It was 6%. It was the thickest eggnog I've ever had, but it was eggnog nonetheless. So I love Christmas. I'm excited that we're here, finally. Um, a lot of you have probably, who have grown up in the church, you know, we, we've heard the Christmas story year after year, decade after decade. We've heard the Christmas story so many times with different spins on it looking at it from different angles, extracting different elements from the Christmas story, right? Those of us who have grown up in the church, I mean, I'm not that old, but I've heard the Christmas story a lot of different ways. But we're going to look at a three-part series, um, and it's literally called, Who Needs Christmas? So I think we can agree together that the events of Christmas seem pretty unlikely, right? They seem kind of crazy or unbelievable. I mean, you think about this for a second. You've got a virgin giving birth to a baby. Firstly, that's, in, that's incredible in and of itself. That's, that's bizarre. You've got, you've got wise men who are following constellations, and they follow a star given to them by God to meet up with a baby. Seems kind of crazy. You've got shepherds out in a field, you know, just minding their own business. They're just hanging out, taking care of their sheep. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appears to them and almost blinds them and is like, hey, there's a baby being born and you need to go see him. And it all just happens in perfect timing. It's like, seems kind of bizarre, doesn't it? The Christmas story seems very unlikely. In thousands of years after these events, people might ask, Who needs Christmas? You know, there's a lot of people, um, and they're allowed to have their opinions. Their opinion is wrong, but they're allowed to have it. Is that they don't like Christmas. There's people that don't like Christmas music, Christmas movies. They probably think Home Alone is a bad movie. And again, they can have their wrong opinion. That's fine. 
But there's people that don't go to church. They know nothing about the Christmas story. So they might ask, who needs Christmas? So we're going to look three-part series. Today we're going to talk about how the world needed Christmas. And then uh, next week we're going to look at how God needed and used Christmas, which is going to be an interesting uh, discussion next week. And then the week after, we're going to talk about how we, the church, the body needed Christmas. Okay? So today we're going to look at the world needed Christmas. So before we move on this morning, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we can gather here in your house. I thank you that you are a good God. I thank you that you are a God who meets us here wherever we're at. God, that we can gather here in Corona, Ontario, at this church here at Parkway, and you care about us enough to meet us here, that you love us. God, we pray as we turn to your word that it would, um, that you would illuminate it to us, that it would come alive in our spirits. God, that things we never uh, would have picked out of this story, God, that you would speak to us, that we would be encouraged and blessed by you today. Uh, and everyone said, amen. So you could say, you could say that the Christmas story actually has, can be traced back to the very beginning of the book of Genesis, the very beginning of time. You know, often we, when we talk about the Christmas story, we think of the accounts in Matthew and Luke, right? The, the two books um, at the beginning of the New Testament. But the Christmas story actually took place for thousands of years. All over the Old Testament, which is obviously the first half of the Bible written before Jesus came, the entire Old Testament is chock full of prophecies about uh, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, who would come and be born and would deliver the world from sin. Uh, there's prophecies of the nation of Israel, and we're going to look at a couple of those right now. So, obviously, the nation of Israel was God's chosen people. God created the earth. He um, chose um, Jacob to be the father of his nation. He changed his name to Israel, and that's how we get the nation of Israel today. And that was God's chosen people. So this right here from Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, uh, this is God talking to Abraham. Go from your country, your people, and I will make you into a great nation. Your name will be great. All people of the earth will be blessed through you. So if you know the Old Testament timeline, we obviously know that Abraham, who received this promise from God, who said, I am going to make you into a great nation. Abraham gave birth um, to Isaac, and Isaac gave birth to Jacob, who became Israel. So we see that this promise to Abraham to be a great nation was fulfilled through his grandson. Isaiah chapter 49.10 um, about the nation of Israel says this. This is God speaking to Isaiah on behalf of Israel. I will make you a light for the Gentiles. And Gentiles obviously were people that weren't from Israel. They were people who weren't Jewish. My name will be great among the nations. Oh, sorry, sorry. Wrong verse here. I will make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And then in Malachi chapter 1, verses 11, my, and this is God speaking, my name will be great among the nations. In every place, incense and pure offerings, because my name will be great among the nations. So 
It doesn't take a lot of reading in the Old Testament to find out that Israel, God's chosen people, had the mission to bring salvation to the entire world, to bring God and his law to the entire world. But it doesn't take, it takes even less reading to know how bad of a job Israel did. It doesn't take a lot of reading to find that Israel was constantly turning away from God, turning to sin. Uh, they, they were unable to rise up against the nations around them. When I say rise up to, I'm not talking about conquering the nations. Um, I'm not talking about Israel rising up and slaughtering the nations around them and taking them into exile like they had done to them. But I mean morally. They were unable to spiritually and morally rise up to the nations around them and bring God's perfect law to the nations. If, if what they actually ended up doing is they were just assimilating into the cultures around them. Instead of keeping God's law pure, they would go to this nation and borrow some of their idols and take some of these sinful practices from that nation and kind of add things here and there until eventually they weren't acting like God's chosen people at all. They'd pushed God right out. If, if you were to give uh, the, the process of steps that Israel went through, I would say, here is Israel's cycle. Idolatry, sin, turning away from God, judgment, repenting to God, repeat. Over and over and over and over again. They didn't get it. Israel would turn to idols. Then they would turn away from God. Then they would sin. Then God would get angry with them. And then they'd go, oh, sorry, we'll never do it again, we promise. And then they would repeat and go right back to idolatry again. Cycle that continued on for a lot of years, a lot of generations. There is no reason, there's absolutely no reason for Israel to feel hope in this situation. Israel knew that they were God's chosen people. They knew the task ahead of them. They, they, it's not, it wasn't unaware to them. They weren't blindly walking through their lives and through these generations and through time being like, I don't know. We'll see what happens to us. They were given their mission by God. But they just couldn't get their, their, they couldn't get their act together. There was no reason to believe that they were going to be a blessing to the nation. Think, I want you to, to think for a second if you were one of the Israelites near kind of the end of the Old Testament. It's been thousands of years. You know the history of Jacob and Isaac and Abraham and the promise that was given to your people. But you also know how many times you've sinned. How many times you were sent into exile. How many times God was angry with your nation because you failed him. How many times your people turned to idols and ignored God's blessing. How many times they failed the mission. There would be no reason to think that the prophecy spoken over them to be a blessing to the world would happen anymore. There's no reason to believe it. They were doing a, a terrible job. In fact, I don't know that they could have done much of a worse job. Israel, Israel was not being a light to the world around them. But despite Israel's shortcomings... Despite their failure, 
Here is the truth. Humanity needed a savior. The Israelites needed a savior. The world needed a savior. And we, church, we needed a savior today. Now, some people have said, and I've heard people have the belief of the doctrine or the theology that God in the Old Testament was a different God. That he actually changed his character. That his personality, his character changed. Or that his Old Testament law was flawed. Because if you know the history of the Old Testament, God created the earth. Then he set apart the nation of Israel to do his purpose. Then he gave them, he gave Moses the law to give to the Israelites. To say, okay, if you're going to follow me and you're going to do things my way, here's the law you need to follow. It was very cut and dry. It was pretty foolproof in the sense it's like, this is right, this is wrong, this is what you need to do, this is how you're holy, this is how you achieve righteousness. That was the Old Testament law that God gave Israel. And they were to take that law and they were to bring it to the nations around them. And it was supposed to be life-giving because they were supposed to follow the law, see their sin brought to the surface, repent of their sin, bring it to all the nations around them who would bring it to other nations. Their children, their uh, generation of children and grandchildren were going to follow the law and it was going to be life-giving and it was going to be good. But Israel was dropping the ball. God's law was not flawed. God's law had no errors. It was the people carrying the law out that were unable to keep it. So God has not changed since the Old Testament, and his law is still perfect. But people are imperfect. God was not being worshipped, as the prophecy said, from all nations, that my name will be known throughout the nations. To the ends of the earth, my name will be praised. That wasn't happening. I'll give you some examples. I'm gonna, I found this list in about 20 seconds. Of, these are some of the Old Testament idols that not only the nations around Israel worshipped, but that Israel themselves got caught into. Okay, It took me about 20 seconds to build this list. Baal, Asherah, Dagon, Marduk. Milcom, and then even the nation of Egypt had over 40 gods that they would worship. All of these idols kicking around doesn't look like Israel's doing a great job, are they? God was not being worshipped all over the world. The prophecy wasn't coming true. The Israelites were an anointed people. They were holy to be set aside for a special purpose. That's what that word holy actually means, to be set aside by God for an intended purpose. So an illustration I like to use when I think of the word holy, and this is probably more of an older generation thing, but I like it. I think people my age should should hop on this, this, uh, this a little more. How many of you grew up where you had or your parents had the fancy china set for when people would come over, when you'd have company over. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like you, you exchange your stainless steel cutlery, you know, for the gold-plated cutlery. And then you get the big, massive china plates with the gold trim around it that I found out at a young age you can't microwave the hard way. <laughs> can't microwave those. Never microwave the good china. You'll break the china and explode the microwave. 
right? And then for some reason, there's like 15 plates. There's a salad plate and a dessert plate and a main course plate and an appetizer plate and dessert plate number two and salad plate number 4B. You guys know what I'm talking about. There's so much going on. I'm like, I don't know what this is. And then the best part is you open those nice crystal glasses and then you can go, ooh, you put your finger around the rim. You guys know what I'm talking about. The fancy china. Now, we don't use the fancy china unless we have people over, guests over, important people over, right? You could say that that china is set apart for a specific, special purpose. And that was God's plan for Israel. It's not that the other stuff doesn't matter, but this was special. It had, a, 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 it had an intentional purpose and a plan to be used as God willed. So Israel knew this. Israel knew that they were set apart. They knew they were God's people. They knew the prophecies. And they knew a Messiah was going to be born among them. Think about this for a second. Could you imagine being told that you are God's chosen people and at any moment, it could be today, it could be a hundred years from now, that there's going to be the Savior of the earth born of a virgin woman, in Bethlehem. That would be crazy. I don't know what that would be like to grow up having that knowledge that this was coming. But Israel wasn't a stranger. They knew what was going to happen. However, Israel knew a Messiah was coming. But they got a very different Messiah than they expected. They got a completely different Jesus than they were anticipating. So Israel, the tradition in Israel, they were expecting basically a radical warlord. They were expecting a Messiah that would be like, um, he would be a soldier, he would be a, a war hero, he would lift up a sword and he would go conquer all the nations around them. That nobody would be able to stand up to Israel because they would be the strongest army and they would sit on top. Some of the, uh, some of the prophecies actually would kind of sound like that a little bit. Because it had talks about how the throne of David will continue forever. And David, if you read about David, he knew how to fight. But the Messiah that we got is a lot different than this. The Messiah came in love and peace in joy, in grace, with mercy. They were expecting a Messiah that was going to be untouchable and destroy the nations around them. What they got was a God who came and allowed himself to become destroyed. Think about, the, think about how backwards that would have been for them. They were expecting somebody to slaughter their enemies, but instead he stood up and said, I'm going, to take, I'm going to take the slaughter. Very different than expected. Jesus did not come and force his way into the nations. But he came and allowed himself to fulfill the Old Testament law and die an undeserving death so that we, the Gentiles, most of us are probably Gentiles in this room unless we're Jewish, that we can serve Jesus. Because Canada is a far away place from Bethlehem, right? It's far away. And guess what? God is being praised here. 
So all of that came because of Jesus. God's plan to bring salvation to the Gentiles would come through Jesus. His plan for his name to be praised would come through Jesus. His plan for the law to be perfectly followed would come through Jesus. However, even though he was a different God and he was a different Messiah than the Jews expected, he still came according to the prophecies. So, Jesus still was born of the Virgin Mary, as predicted. He was born um, from the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and continued the line of King David, just as predicted. He was born in Bethlehem of the tribe of Judah, just as predicted. It was a long time leading up to the birth of Christ. A lot of history, a lot of years, a lot of people. Then, all of these years, all these failures led up to this moment in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 33. It'll be up on the screen here. Er, yes, it will. It says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth was Mary's cousin. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So this is predicted to Mary. Everything the angel just told Mary that would happen is already fulfilling prophecy. And then... Most of us will know the rest of the story, right? Mary talks to Joseph. Joseph is like, you're pregnant because of God? Yeah, okay. My wife, or my fiance at the time was like, no, 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 I promise. It was, it was God that made me pregnant. Okay, let's go to the Maury show. I'm just kidding. God, you are the father. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we know that that happened. <laughs> that was not in my notes, by the way. Um, and then we know, we know that Jesus was born of Mary in a manger because there was no room in the inn, in Bethlehem. We know that they named him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We know that Jesus became the savior of the world. We know the rest of the Christmas story, that it happened just as predicted, Everything happened because of God's sovereignty, because of his power. But some of you might be asking me or wondering like, okay, Pastor Mitch, you've talked about the Old Testament and Israel's failure for like 20 minutes now. What does this have to do with me? Why, why are we talking about the history of Israel? I want you to put this into perspective for a second, okay? Put this into perspective. Thousands of years, millions of people 
countless number of kings, wars, famines, nations, idols. And Jesus was born right at the right time. Think of all of these different variables that that, that happened throughout the Old Testament. All the things that could have went wrong with all these people, all these battles, all these nations, all the things that could have foiled God's plan and made it not make sense. But it all lined up exactly at the right moment for Jesus to come. Think about that for a moment. The Israelites, after all these years, could have lost hope. I think I myself might have lost hope. I would have said, you know what? I get that we're the the chosen nation. But look, there is no way we are going to be a light to the Gentiles. I know, I know the father of our nation was promised that we would be great. But there's just no way. There's no way it's happening. But then Jesus came right at the right time. Because God knew exactly the right time. He didn't come a minute too early or a minute too late. Hundreds and hundreds of years, Israel struggled. Hundreds of years they failed. But church, God never lost sight of them. God never lost sight of Israel. Although their hope might have been gone, Although God might have not been in their foresight anymore. I mean, think about this. The last book in the Old Testament, when it was written, there was 400 years of nothing. No prophecies, nothing that we find in scripture. 400 years of silence, then Jesus came. That's a long time. Their hope was gone. But Jesus came right at the right time. God never lost sight of them. Because listen to me, his purpose and his plan for Israel did not change. Like the fancy china, it might sit for 10 years. But when it needs to come out, you still got the same plan for it. You still got the same purpose for it. It has the same use. God did not lose sight of Israel. So how does this relate to us? I want, to, I want you to find encouragement today and peace today in the fact that God's timing is so perfect. Think about how complex and how accurate and perfect the Christmas story had to be for all that to line up. For the wise men to see a star and it led them right to Jesus right at that time. They had to walk through a desert. It, didn't, it wasn't like an overnight trip. For the shepherds to come and pray and worship the Messiah. For Mary and Joseph to make it to Bethlehem right as she was about to have Jesus. Think about this. So in your life, I want to ask you, what situation in your life right now is hopeless? Is there a situation in your life where you relate to Israel Where there's nothing else that you can do. Is there a situation in your life right now where you're like, I have nowhere to turn. In my power, I am hopeless. There is absolutely nothing else that I can do. Does any of us relate to Israel today? Remember, God never lost sight of the Israelites. 
over thousands of years of failure, they failed a lot more than you're going to fail. And God never lost sight of them because he gave them a purpose. He gave them a plan. And if God has a will, it's going to happen. Do we believe that today? If God says something, it's going to happen. There's a song that I like by a worship band called Maverick City Music. And it just says over and over again, if you say it, we believe it. Because you're a man of your word. Listen, church, if, if, if you only take one thing from, from me today, from, from the word today, if you take one thing, this is it. I want you to be encouraged by the fact that God's promises, that God's promises are not dependent on our performance. Say that again. God's promises are not dependent on our performance. Thank you, God, for that. What if God came up to you and said, I'm going to save the whole world through you right now? He said, Peter, through you, I'm going to save the whole world, but you have to do everything perfectly and can never make a mistake. What's going to happen? If he said that to any of us, it'd be a disaster. But thank you that his promises are not dependent on our performance. That if we keep him in our sight, and we follow his guiding, we will make mistakes on the way. But his word is ultimately more powerful. So in your situation, if you're finding yourself anxious or worried or fearful, remind yourself that his hand has not left you. His hand didn't leave Israel when they seemed the most hopeless. When it seemed that they are completely rock bottom, Jesus came because God had their hand upon them. God has not lost sight of you. And God will continue to be sovereign because he hasn't changed from the time of the Christmas story. He hasn't changed from the time he promised Abraham that he'd be a nation or that he'd be the father of a nation. He's the same God. And I believe he's just as good today to us as he is to his people back in the Old Testament, back when Jesus was born, in the New Testament when we see God's blessing over the church. Are you guys with me this morning? Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. God, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy. And we thank you, God, again, that you are not dependent on how we act. That our shortcomings do not cancel out your promises. God, that our flesh, that our mistakes, that our, our lack does not limit you. So, Lord, I pray in the lives of everybody in this room this morning that the only limits that would be placed on us would be limits set by you. Father, that as we go through the Christmas season, as the world out there gets more and more unknown, that we don't know what the next week or month is going to look like, we can look in you, at you and know, Father, that you are sovereign. God, that when we look at the Old Testament, there was a lot crazier things going on than what happened right now, but you always were with your people. Your timing was perfect. You never had your hand leave those that you promised it would be upon. So Lord, we look to you, we draw strength from you, and we are encouraged by you today. We thank you and we love you. Let us leave this place today more like you and knowing you better. And everybody said, amen. So church, be encouraged today by God's sovereignty. Know that he is with you. 
and we will see you all next week. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.